0: Hello and welcome back to The reverend Show. Today's show is a fun one because we're talking about sales forecasting. My favorite part about this whole discussion is that Jess and Doug walk you through how Imagine forecasts, what our confidence levels are, and how you can apply them to your actual deals. You'll get to hear an inside peek into our 2021 numbers, what level of confidence we set them to, and how we actually did. So If you want to see how you can apply this to your own forecasting, let's do so right here, right now. Now let's get started.
1: Jess. Doug. What's happening?
2: Oh, you know, trying to make it to the end of of 2021 alive. By the time people are listening to this, we'll we'll, all have made it to 2022, hopefully.
1: Yeah, so we'll know. By the time you listen to this, we'll know. So we'll know if you're listening. Jess, what's your uh, what's your Twitter handle? Uh
2: oh God. I haven't had enough coffee this morning. Uh it's I think it's JD cardiness if I'm not mistaken. I don't JD. I'm not hang on. All of my stuff is messed up.
1: All of your stuff <laughs> is messed up. I changed my
2: phone number and all of my stuff is messed up.
1: Yeah, what was up with that? You you got rid of the Dallas. I thought you were a Dallas girl.
2: I was for 20 years. I had a Dallas phone number. No more. No
1: more.
2: So it's, it's
1: J.D. Hang on. God
0: There it is.
2: J.D.
1: God of Yes. All right. Well, this is taking way too long. So we're just going to go with J.D. Cardenas. We are. C-A-R-D-E-N-A-S. So we'll know if you're listening because you'll at Jess to find out, did you make it to 2022?
2: Yes, exactly. Imagine how
1: bad they'll feel if you didn't. If you don't.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I, well, they might not feel too bad.
1: Just we'll they see. would feel bad. Don't don't you don't you don't you even think about it for another second. Everyone would feel bad if you don't make it. I I would probably feel the worst. Actually. You would.
2: You
1: would. <laughs> I mean, who who would I co-host the RevUp
2: Show? Exactly, exactly. This is the whole, this is the whole, this is the thing that gets you up in the morning, right?
1: It is. It is. Well, I, I feel like I'm, I'm looking at our, our our settings here and I I feel like I'm, I must have an ego or something. I thought I was supposed to fill out my title in my company and I'm, you're just Jess. I'm Doug, CEO. I'm That's at, all I'm you need to know about me.
2: That's Let's all you need that. to know. That's right. I'm you Jess.
1: Know, first name status. I get it. I get it. One name status. All right, Jess, exactly. what are we talking about today?
2: Today I want to talk about sales forecasting, which I'm sure you have some hot takes on. It's one of those topics that I have a feeling it's riled up. <laughs> it, it, so it, it, I'm it excited. Can. So so first I want to talk about what is sales forecasting. I, I I did a lot of research. Um, you know, I got some conflicting information. I want to talk about some different approaches to it, but let's start with what is sales sales forecasting.
1: What in in your research, what did it? Is.
2: I mean, so so really, what the, the 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 one thing that I came across more than anything else was it, it's really about being able to predict what are or not really predict, but what are how are we tracking what are sales going to be for the coming year, um, and and being able to kind of use that to drive your, your plan overall for a company and drive um, your plan for your sales team. That kind of was the overarching, what I found when I was looking it up, when I was doing research. So,
1: you know, sales is an interesting word. You know, the English language is an interesting language. What, is, what does biweekly mean?
2: Depends on who you're talking to. When I say biweekly, it always means every other week but sometimes it means twice a week.
1: So, so what would you call twice a week? Twice a week. <laughs> I and mean, you know, for some, right, right after I answered, right after I asked, I'm like, okay, wait, well, that's what, that, that's what our answer is going to be. But it bi-weekly doesn't have two meaning, it doesn't mean one thing or another, depending upon who you talk to. It means both.
0: Right. Those
1: are okay. both, yes. both considered. Actually, I was going over um in, in, in our last, last week I was discussing plan with, with one of our clients and we had multiple bi and it's like, well, I see bi-weekly up here. I just want to understand what bi-weekly are, are you suggesting? Are you saying that we're going to have these meetings every other week, w- which he said, which makes more sense to me. or Are you suggesting we have it twice a week? Um,
2: yeah. I get asked so, that question when I throw biweekly
1: out. So, you know, so. the English language is, is, is a fun language because one word means many things and sales is one of those words because sales oftentimes people say sales um, and they mean revenue. Right. And 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 to some degree, you know, there are, there there is a synonym between sales and revenue. Like, you know, when when I ran, you know, when I worked at Domino's Pizza at the end of the day they said, well, what were our sales today? And what they were really asking was what was our revenue today? Yeah. Right. And, and 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 so I think, you know, when you say what is sales forecasting and and what it connects to, um, you know, what it connects to probably what our what the ongoing conversation is, is it, it comes down to a question, what are you forecasting and why? Right. But
2: but don't you think that most people when you're when you're talking sales forecasting they're actually talking about revenue forecast like isn't that isn't that what you're talking about nine times out of ten?
1: At a more sophisticated that's oh boy we might want to edit that. we might want to edit that one out. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> um, no, because I mean in 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 a world of so like if you think about our sales forecast
2: mm-hmm.
1: our sales forecast is not a revenue forecast. Okay. And, and, and and in a lot of ways, when you're talking about a recurring revenue business, especially, then then they are really two distinctly different things um, in, in how they're used colloquially. I mean, again, you might say, you know, my second year subscription, that's still sales on one hand, yep. but that's not that, you know. So when we talk about what's our sales forecast, what are we forecasting next? Like, like when I say our, you know, we doubled sales over last year, and I actually think we didn't, I think we were close to tripling it. Um, we didn't triple our revenue. We tripled. We tripled our new. Well, actually, yeah. I don't even know that we tripled our new revenue. That's something I got to take a look at. We definitely tripled our our new sales. So, like when I say we, you know, we generated um, eight hundred thousand of a project revenue, right? We didn't mm-hmm. generate eight hundred thousand dollars of revenue from projects this year. We closed eight hundred thousand dollars,
2: right?
1: Right. So we're and we're going to realize some of that revenue into next year um, and, 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 and so forth. So what are you, you know, so, so are, are we, are we doing it because we're trying to figure out like one reason you sales forecast is because you're trying to find out, are you doing the job that you expect to be doing? How well is our sales team performing? Right. Another reason you sales forecast is, um, and this is something that's near and dear to your heart. Right. Is when we close a new piece of business, that means something different than existing business. We've got a whole onboarding element. And so we need to forecast what our capacity is going to be. I just actually got off a call before this where they need to forecast because that gets into what they need to hire to be able to deliver. If if you remember um, Benson that we worked with, there was a lot about that. You know, there's a whole backend, you know, element and and, and timing and, and components that are there if you're forecasting revenue, you're, you're looking at, I mean, at the end of the day, the revenue is what you get to, um, you know, p- play your game with. So, so I think that, you know, as, as you move up the maturity scale, those, those semantical differences mean, you know, have, have more compelling meanings. And so I think that, that you don't, I don't think those are used interchangeably so that, you know, when, so when you say, I want to, I want to improve my sales forecasting, you know, again, it comes back to, you know, what's the job to be done here? What is it that you're forecasting? I mean, so forecasting is about creating greater predictability.
2: And um, that's greater predictability across the organization is really what you're talking about. You're talking about predictability um, for the sales team. Well, it depends on what you're using the forecast for, but.
1: what, what And it depends what you're forecasting. So like I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer that every sales should be forecasted just like, you know, professional, you know, if I'm a professional salesperson, I should be no different than a professional pool player. Professional mm-hmm. pool player has to call their shot. Yeah, and so, uh, so we you know we actually did something. Um, you, you, so, you, and and by the way, we'll put this in the show notes. Hannah, make sure this gets in the show notes, which is um, we you know we have a blog post on sales forecasting. We actually have a course on on forecasting, and one of the things that I'm a big fan of is is forecasting confidence. One, two, three, four, five. One yep. is five percent you know, and we give the range, it's like one to 16%, something like that with, and it counts as 5%. Two is, you know, 33%, three is 50%. And again, it's the ranges. And, and so, and by the way, so we had, we had 17 opportunities that had a forecast confidence of three. Guess how many of those we closed?
2: 17.
1: No, we closed none. <laughs> now, no here's a great point. If we had closed 17 of the 17 then rated the conf- three confidence, confidence, which is a 50 percent, we're saying 50 percent, right. right? Well, then I'm doing a bad job forecasting. I'm not doing a good job as a salesperson. Now, yeah, well, how are you not doing a good? You 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 exceeded your plan. Well, well no, like like why? Right? Because if I say it's a three, one of the things yeah. I'm doing is I'm allocating resources to it. If something's right. a two, I'm like, okay, well you know, how much time, how much attention. And by the way, especially if I'm looking at one opportunity, that's got a two, another opportunity has a four, you know, then, then I definitely want to be spending, well, well, think about this. So let I, um, I think if I remember correctly, two is a 33% chance and four is a 67% chance. Mm-hmm. So I've got a hundred thousand dollar opportunity rated a two, a hundred thousand dollar opportunity rated a four. I only have time to spend on one of them. Which one should I spend time on?
2: The four. Okay.
1: I've got a $100,000 opportunity that's a two. I've got a $20,000 opportunity Ooh. that's a four. Which Me one should I spend more time
2: on? <laughs> I think the answer is it depends.
1: No, um, it really doesn't.
2: It doesn't? No. Nope. So the, the, the four, no. 20,000. No? no? The two. Why?
1: Because the it's... two's worth $33,000 right now.
2: Oh, okay. I have a 33% chance at $100,000. Yeah. The four okay. is
1: worth $14,000. Right. Yeah.
2: So this,
1: right. So so there's a forecasting element that's there, but what I'm looking at is I'm causing, you know, every, you've heard me say this before, um, by the way, great, great, great book to read everybody that's even thinking about listening to this show. So whether you're listening to the show or not, <laughs> you, you, you should read the book or listen to the book thinking in bets. Yeah. Because every, every decision we make is a bet. Right. And so when, when we ask, when I ask reps to forecast and when I ask reps to establish a forecast confidence, what I'm asking them to do is I'm asking them to make their bet. Yeah. What, what What's your bet here. Right. And, and so now if I make a bet and, and by the way, with forecast confidence, it's not set it and forget it. Right. It's, you know, as things change, if as a sales rep, you know, if, if things change, you're, you, you should change your, you should change your confidence. Right. right. I, I, you know, I remember, you know, we had a, we had a salesperson here several years ago. He played poker very, very badly. Right. And, and cause, cause his game was, by the way, he did play poker badly, but his game was, if he started a sale, he was in it to finish. Yeah. And, and, and he was, and he almost always operated on, I'm in it to finish or we've lost. Right. There was right. no, there was no inner. And so he would either like throw everything at something and I'm like, wait, this is a low probability. We'd he's like, okay, so I I'm just gonna tell him we're not interested. I'm like, whoa, hold on a second. You know, there's you know, there, there's a place in between. Right. You know, now if you play poker and you're playing it with any degree of regularity as you make bets, one of the things that's nice is you kind of close the loop on did you win, did you lose? And that should theoretically at least if, if you think while you play, it should improve your decision quality. Right. Um, and 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 so you know one of the things that that this does is I'm I'm forcing I'm I'm in essence forcing a rep to say okay what's the probability here and and you know forecasting is probabilistic You're, you know it's a probabilistic discipline one mistake that gets made with forecasting is we treat it deterministically the forecast is by the way this is always a, we're forecasting. $70,000 for next month. We're forecasting $7 million for next month, whatever, whatever the number might be. that That's a bad forecast. A real forecast is we, you know, we have a 80% chance to get between this and this. Yep. Right. And, and, and so, you know, so, you know, forecasting has a lot of different purposes. You know, at the end, it's about increasing predictability, which leads yep. to resource allocation in some way, shape or form. And that could be very broad, complex resource allocation, or it could be very simple. How do I allocate resources, time, attention to an actual sales opportunity? What do I look for to determine is this, you know, is this really a high quality opportunity? Is this not a high quality
2: opportunity? I wanna get into this. So so as I was as I was researching, I saw I saw a lot about top down versus bottom up approach to sales forecasting. And and I know you you talk about this, so I I wanted I wanted to get your take on what's what's the difference between like what is top down versus bottom up? I need you to explain it to me like I'm a like I'm a six year old. <laughs>
1: so you know, in in, in fairness, I'm going to explain what my interpretation of top down and bottom up is. Yeah, because I think you know here again, you know, this is a place where lots of people use lots of terms to mean whatever they want it to mean. So so top down tends to look at. You know, total sales, total revenue. Um, it, it, I, I would say it's probably the most common form of of um, forecasting and 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 this is where forecasting almost you know begins to mirror goal setting mm-hmm. um, annual planning, things like that. So you know we did ten million dollars now they're they're sophisticated top down we We did ten million dollars. This is what we're seeing. This is the environment you know, our, you know, our plan is to grow, you know, 20% above market growth. Market growth is this. And so we're going to, so we did $10 million. And that means that, that, you know, we're forecasting 30% growth next year, which means we're targeting $13 million. Right. And then sometimes that's the end of top down. Then you might Mm -hmm. go to the next level where you say of that $13 million, we expect X percent to come from, Existing business we have, um, and and Y percent to come from new business, or, and by the way, new business it might be we expect X percent to come from existing customers, Y percent to come from new customers, yeah, or, or, or new logos. But but to some degree, top that you know top down starts at the top, i.e., top line, um, and projects. Now one of the dangers with that is that sometimes you know you did fifty million dollars, and you go. <laughs> or you know, my, my, my favorite is, well, well, I want to grow at 25% next year. Yeah. Or actually that's my second favorite. Cause my favorite is, well, our investors, you know, require that we grow at 35%. Okay. You know what I always say when I'm told that is, okay, that's great. The world doesn't really care about that. Your market doesn't care what your investors, what your investors put on you. Um, bottom up, you, you look at it on, on an account by account basis, um, so, so you tend to do more. I mean, bottom up tends to be more around revenue. Um, okay. Or it could be also so because again, you know, true bottom up, you're looking at it at the account level. You're like, okay, we have this this many accounts right now. They did this much. Here's what you know. You know, this rep has been working this account. This account's doing 1.3 million. Um, the rep's got a 15% growth target on this account based on this, this, and this. And you add that all up plus. We've got, you know, this is what our funnel looks like, which projects to this, and you add that all up, and now you have your, your, your forecast.
2: Are um, you a fan of one over the other?
1: Depends what you're doing.
2: Okay.
1: I mean, and, you know, to some degree, I'm, I'm really a fan of, of doing both. Um, what you'll find is when you do top-down and you do bottom-up, they'll never add up. One of the things to look to identify is it, in most realistic scenarios, what we find is that top-down leads to a higher number than bottom up. And that helps sure. you to identify what your gap is. There are times where your bottom up adds up to more than your top down. And, you know, that, when that's the case, you, you typically want to raise your top down number. You, you also want to understand why, why is there a negative gap? But, but I think, you know, I, I think it's worth knowing. Um, And, you know, certainly if, if you've got, a target that's not based. And, and, you know, if you're in a growth mode, your true, true growth. And by by the way, growth means you're growing above market rates. If the water rises three inches and you grow three inches, you didn't grow. Yeah. Right. So, yep. so if the market grew 15% and you grew 15%, you didn't grow. <laughs> okay. Um. So if you're in a, if you're in a growth mode, then you should, you know, there's almost always going to be a negative gap. I'm sorry. There's always going to be a gap, not a negative gap. Sorry. I got that backwards. There's going to be a gap that is negative. Meaning that my top down, my top down number is bigger than my bottom right. up number. And that tells you what you need to account for, right? Because if your growth rate is increasing and actually, even if your growth rate is steady to some degree, then, then your growth number increases. Cause if I grow 30% at a million and I'm still growing, 30% at 5 million, my $5 million of growth is going to be more than my, you know, if, if you follow what I'm saying, so, you know, understanding what is that gap? Okay. New sales team, new revenue team. Right now that might inform all kinds of things around pricing. So, so for example, if I've got a bigger yeah. revenue gap, then I might add incentives for, and, and let's say I'm a subscription business, I'm a SaaS business or something like that. I might, um, I might change my website to, to focus on annual pricing. I might add incentives for annual pricing because if my gap's bigger and I'm, and I'm letting people pay monthly, then if I, I think it's the rule of 78, right? Um, <clears throat> Cause in essence, January is worth 12. February was, is worth 11. March is worth 10. Right. So if I pay monthly in January, you get 12 payments. Right. If I pay monthly in December, you get one payment, both contracts might be equal, but from a revenue standpoint, the December business is worth one twelfth. Is um, is one of, of, of your January, of the
2: business. January. Yes. Right. Yeah. And,
1: and, and so now, but if I'm, if you pay annually,
2: mm-hmm.
1: then from a revenue standpoint, December is the same as, as
2: January, January. Now, I don't want to go on off a tangent, but how does what does that have to do with seventy eight? Because you said rule of seventy eight. I'm not familiar with that. Twelve
1: plus eleven plus ten plus nine plus eight. Oh, so in essence, okay. In essence, you have seventy eight. So, like when you're establishing what your monthly, uh, what your MRR target is.
2: Uh huh.
1: Um, if I remember, if I'm remembering this correctly, your MRR target is your annual number divided by seventy eight.
2: Okay, gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. So, who who should be involved in putting the forecast together?
1: Well, what it, what's the job to be done, who, who, what are you forecasting and why?
2: So, so if we're forecasting for, to be able to, to be able to predict revenue, if we're forecasting for that, and we're also forecasting for capacity for the service team, are you saying that what I'm taking from the, what are you forecasting for question is, does that mean that sales should be involved and whoever is running the success team for from a capacity standpoint should be involved
1: or and this might shock people that are listening there are there are businesses out there that actually have real operations like they have back end what What is that manufacturers and things like that all stakeholder um elements should be involved to 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 varying you know to, to at least some degree or
2: other who should be so that i guess that leads to like who should be paying attention to it the same the same question the same answer would be I, I would take the same answer for that which is whoever depends on what you're using the forecast for that's who should be paying attention to it
1: well yeah i mean and, and, you know yeah i mean there there's yeah who, who the the underlying job to be done is going to dictate who should be paying attention
2: and so you know i think there's there's a lot of focus on on the forecast and on forecasting, particularly on the sales side. I think I think there's more focus on it from the sales side, at least with, with who we work with. So how much p- attention should be paid to it though? Is it, should it, should it be your most important thing? How much attention should be paid for, to the forecast?
1: That's a really hard question. Again, what, I mean, you know, what, what stage are you at as a company? Mm-hmm. Why are you forecasting? What are you forecasting? you know in 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 a lot of cases, today, there's so much air taken by funded hyper growth tech, especially SaaS companies. You know, so so you know if I've taken on funding or if I'm looking to get funding, you know then my forecast is I mean to some degrees, my 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 forecast is crucial because if I don't hit a number,
2: yeah.
1: I mean I, I, again, it kind of comes to. I mean, I, I feel like I'm on repeat, repeat, you know, you need to have a focal point. You need to have a target to a large degree. That target is important. You know, I was talking to somebody who asked me, you know, and they're doing like two to $3 million. And I said, so where do you want to be in, in three years? And, and their answer was, you know, something like, well, you know, we want to be a billion dollars next year. And I said, okay, thank you. It was nice talking to you. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, there's no way that's gonna happen. I'm like, well, okay, we're okay with that. I'm like, well, well, where do you need to be then? And you're like
2: they don't
1: know. Well, well, no, here's the answer. Well, we feel like if we if we shoot for a billion and we miss, if we aim for the moon and we miss, we'll we'll land on the stars. <laughs> um and and I said that's great for, for a placard, but it doesn't work from a strategic perspective because you know you can't make trade-offs, you can't Right. You can't like, you know, if, if you tell me you want to be a billion dollars next year, I mean, let's just say you want to be a hundred million dollars next year. Well, I'm going to give you a number that you're going to need to spend that. You, I mean, I don't, you, you couldn't. And, and, and so now we're off. And, and, and by the way, now, if I don't, now, if I don't hit, it's like a lot of, you know, in, in, in an early stage, like if you think about imagine, Mm -hmm. do we pay attention to our forecast yeah we pay attention to our forecast is it the most important thing no (laughs) no though though that's historically well, well, well why well the the forecast is is a target that that for us moves significantly nature of our business our size where we are from a maturity perspective um and 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 so it's more are we on course, are we off course? What has to change, what works, what doesn't work. Now I can tell you that um in twenty twenty two, our forecast is going to be a lot more important in yeah. terms of the actual forecast than than it was before. And and you know, it's easy to sit here and say, Well, no, it's not been, you know, it's not the most important, I'd imagine, except that this year, and you know it became more important to you. Oh, because- You know, because everyone thinks about missing forecast as being short. Well, well, we were missing forecast long. Yes. Right. So, I mean, we had one month where I think, actually, I think December, I think we closed. I think we closed seven or eight new customers.
2: Well, and so it's, it's interesting. And that did not make Jess very happy. No, no. I mean, it didn't, it didn't. I, it's interesting that you that you bring it up from a capacity standpoint, because I don't think and, and maybe it's just me still getting, you know, and in, heavily involved in these things. But it's not something I had thought about a lot before this year using forecasts for capacity planning. And it, it's probably because I felt it, but I certainly started paying more attention to it because it's like, OK, now I really, really, really need to know what's coming down the pike. And to your point, what's the size of that opportunity Is it, is it new versus existing? And, and, you know, we talk about it in relation to sales all the time in the sales rep, but I do think it's, it's crucial for the capacity and operation standpoint that you brought up as well. And it's certainly something I hadn't thought about.
1: You know, and, and, and that's, again, what are we forecasting? Why are we forecasting? Well, we didn't have a capacity issue before. Right. And and, and, uh, I'm looking at companies by the way, and, I'm hearing things being said, like, and I'm talking about professional services companies, agencies that do some of what we do are saying, well, we can't, you know, we can't begin until April. Right. I'm like, oh, seriously? <laughs> and you, you know my, you know my feeling, right? The moment, the moment you start doing those things, yeah, you start, you start killing your growth, right? Th- there's an example of where forecasting went wrong. Yep. Right. And, and and the difficulty was everyone's celebrating. Ding, ding, ding. We're beating, our, we're beating our forecast. We're beating our forecast. We're beating our forecast. And no one's going, oh, shit, we're beating our forecast. Oh, shit, we're beating our forecast. Oh, shit, we're beating our forecast. By the way, this was probably two years ago, maybe three. HubSpot was, was blowing its number away and stock went down. Why did the stock go down? Well, you read underneath and you see, and you start reading analyst reports. And what you see is they, they blew away their revenue number. They missed their recruiting numbers. All of a sudden people was, was a major, major issue. Wait a second. Are you going to be able to support? Are you going to be right? And, right. Became, um, and and look, that has more impact on, on what we do than, than even what they do. And right. But, but so those are like that, that's when this thing begins to, when, when this thing begins to ramp up. Yeah. Right. Um, but all you know, fundamentally you should be forecasting for judgment. Right. And so this is where I see a lot of sales forecasts go wrong is, is commits and, you know, commits best case, you know, all, all these different, I forget. Cause I'm not a fan of, I'm, I'm a fan of, of tell me what your probability is. Tell me what your bet right. is here. Right.
0: Um, and, and here I,
1: I didn't finish, you know, as a matter of fact, give me one second, I'm going to find this on our forecasts confidence. I wish I had known that we were going to do this because I would have had it ready to go. <laughs> So we had, we had six opportunities, and this is closed business,
0: mm-hmm. we had
1: six opportunities that were rated a one, which is a 5% chance, which we put, you know, if we're going to give it a single probabilistic number, we give it 5%. Mm-hmm. Um, we closed none of them. So 5%, our actual closing rate was 0%. We closed, we had 12 that were rated two. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, we should have closed four. We closed one. Oh, wow. We had 17 at three.
2: We talked about that. Close nine.
1: We closed nine. We had 24 at four. So we should have closed 16. We closed 22. So instead of 67%, we were at 92%. Okay. And we had nine that were forecasted at five. We closed nine. 95% and we closed all nine.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. So, so of the 68 Opportunities that closed this year. Mm -hmm. This probably this probabilistic weighted number says we should have closed 37.39. So Mm -hmm. we should have closed, we should have won 37. Yep. We won 41. It's not bad. Right, which is not bad. So we're we were 10% off, a little bit more than 10% off. Right. Now looking at this, what this says very clearly is. (laughs) If we're rated one or two, we ain't winning. Right. If it's rated four or five, we are. Right. Right. So, so one thing that, that, so there's two ways to approach this. I could look at this and say, what we need to do is lower the one and two numbers Mm -hmm. and raise the four. Right. Or we need to look and say, why are we rating things a two when really they should probably be a one and why are we, why are we rating it a four, things when, a four? Now I can tell you why I can tell you one reason why we're rating it a four when it should in fact be a five. Why? Because we call five certain 95%. Yeah. And so you're like, do I want to. Yeah. Do I feel like, cause that like now all of a sudden now, if I lose, I have to now. I will also say that this is one level of analysis. I'm going to do another level. So this was the ending number. Now, as a rule, once we get to a certain point, like if if we're at a three and I learn bad news, I don't change it to a two or a one. Okay. Right. You know, just before it closes.
2: Do you not do that because you feel like it skews the numbers too much, or because
1: it because it would skew the numbers? Yeah.
2: Okay. All um,
1: right. So so what I'm going to do, what I'm going to the next analysis I'm going to do is I'm going to look at deals that were ever a 1 deals that were ever a 2 and so forth so so we'll start looking at that and then I might start looking at when did it when when did that number come by the way th- this actually came about when we were dealing with an opportunity that went oh wait we're going to win this and if you remember the client we ended yep. up having like a horrible call yeah just horrible we thought we were going to win and it was like and it's like oh my gosh yeah we don't have a chance. And and we started talking, like, should we discount it? Should we? And what I realized then is I stopped and I said, wait a second, nothing's actually changed. They don't have an alternative. Like the reason that we were certain that hadn't changed. Right. Right. And and what I, you know, there's so much noise in a sales process that that this forecast confidence kind of came and said, Well, wait a second. Let's see if we can normalize some of that noise. And and let's see if we can isolate when do we change something. Did we change it because we felt it or did we change it because the situation right? And so that makes us like that's one of the I mean, that's the biggest power of sales forecasting is increasing decision quality for, for a rep. Oh yeah. Or, or for any individual. But but it's never used for that, Jess. That's why I bring Well, up.
2: and so I you know, you 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 talk frequently about sales and, and how how it relates to poker. I mean, you, you you talk about this a lot, and I think that that the point is so valid when you're talking about sales forecasting. And the other thing I don't think we look at, and, and I say we, but I mean that I don't hear talked about enough with clients, is how often are you adjusting that sales, for, that forecast confidence? When was the last time you looked at it? What what has changed since the last time that you set that forecast confidence i don't think we're having those conversations and so i don't I, I think that's a place where you know your forecast is not necessarily accurate is is we're not talking about that
1: so if someone manages forecast confidence correctly mm-hmm. i can tell you what the difference between a new or poor rep will be and an experienced great rep will be and so and 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 that is the experienced great rep will actually change forecast confidence less frequently than right. the poor rep. Um, now there are other situations where the experience would actually be more like there's certain forecasting. Like if you forecast long-term events, there there's greater, like the better forecaster will change their confidence more frequently. The, the, the reason for this, and it gets into, to, to um, some, some forecasting theory and, um, and, and, whatnot but it's you know we we have a tendency um it's called recency bias right we let the most recent event overly influence our perspective
2: which is what you just talked about with that
1: and then and then the other aspect that i see that's big is in in sales is we have what i call receptivity bias how receptive is somebody
2: ah yeah right
1: hey thanks for calling hey i had a great call (laughs) <laughs> how often how often does the person who said, hey, thanks for calling to the salesperson who who's making the unsolicited call, how often does that turn yep. out to be, right? Versus the person that's hard, you know, and, and so we begin to look at things and, and we let that noise interfere with, okay, what's the real situation?
2: Well, and I'm dealing with this more with um with with clients now where we're looking at, you know, retention and those types of things and something pops up you know, an issue pops up and everybody's like, oh my God, oh my God, we're in danger. We need to do something. And, and then we'll actually sit down and talk about it and say, okay, let's take a step back. What's actually changed? Are we, are, are we letting, you know, this recent event impact us or are we just, and, and we'll realize nine times out of 10 in those situations, nothing's actually changed. It's the recent event that's impacting kind of how we want to react to it. So I, you know, I, I see that from, from my side, I can see where the sales process that would impact as well
1: (laughs) now do you want to know what the number one mistake made in forecasting is from a managerial and executive level well yeah (laughs) (laughs) top five most powerful forces in the history of the world is reversion to the mean
2: okay you gotta explain what that is (laughs) for our listeners
1: (laughs) so so the mean is average
2: right
0: right
1: um, are you old enough to remember the Sports Illustrated curse? Yes. So the Sports Illustrated curse was if you were on the cover of Sports Illustrated, something bad was going to happen to you. Yeah. You would get hurt. You'd underperform. Um, uh, there was the Madden curse. As a matter of fact. Yeah. Bad day today.
2: Yeah, I know. Um,
1: I saw. You know the Madden curse. If you were on the cover of Madden Football, you were going to have a bad year. Right. Well, well, the reason that the reason for that was actually not, there was no curse. There was just this powerful force called reversion to the mean to get on the cover of sports illustrated or Madden football meant that you had to outperform for a sustained period of time. Right. Reversion to the mean is you're going to fall back to average. Sure. Right. Um. You know, the comeback player of the year reversion to mean like everybody that plays professional, everyone that plays major league baseball is good. So if someone super underperforms one year, it's a pretty good bet that they're going to do better the next year. Right. Right. Uh, You know, unless something has physically changed. Right. So, so what happens is um, someone predicts that we're going to close a half a million dollars a month, you know, each month for the next, let's say that's our three, you know, our quarter half a million dollars for the next three months. And this month we close a million dollars at a worst, don't change your forecast. Well, what most people do is they actually raise February's forecast. So January, oh, yeah. they raise February's forecast.
2: And I've been in a place that did that before.
1: And they miss their forecast badly. And it's like, well, well wait a second. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, here's what happens. You actually miss, you. Like, like if I'm investing money, what people want to know when they're investing money, when they're truly investing money, right? right? In early stage companies, the money that goes in is not always what I would call it for investment. There's lots of different, you know, we're making long shot bets, et cetera. Um, but what you want is you want, you know, predictability. If I'm going to put this money in, what's going to, what's going to come out, et cetera. Sure. You know, so you have half million. So in month one, you close a million. Well, guess what? You missed your number by a hundred percent. And then month two, you close 250,000 and you raised your number to 750 or you raised it to a million. Some people even yeah. raise it above that. Cause it's like, Hey, no, we're supposed to- you know, our target is to grow every month. Right. <laughs> um, and 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 so what happens is, you know, you, you have this big outperformance one month. Yep. Well, well, guess what? Next month, you're 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 probably gonna underperform. As a matter of fact, one of our favorite companies in the last, I think it was last year, it may have been a little bit longer than that. I don't know if it's for the entire sales team, but for a core part of their sales team, they changed their number from a monthly number to a quarterly number. Right. And it was for this mm-hmm. reason someone would have like yeah. a great month one, right. And they missed their month two. And all of a sudden, you know, you know, and as, as opposed to now I'm a fan of, of trailing months, right. Or you know that. But but, but here yeah. again, that's why, so, you, you know, when, when you're going to forecast, forecast in clumps, right. And, and remember, the forecast is not a half million dollars. The forecast is really, we, you know, an 80% chance we're going to do between 300 and 700,000. Right. And, and uh, you know, in a broader aspect. And so if we have this huge outperformance, you know, one, one of the greatest investors of all time is Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is a fan of lumpy earnings. Lumpy yeah. earnings is, you know, like he, you know, he loves to invest in reinsurance companies. Reinsurance companies might lose money four out of five years, but in the year that they make money, they make a lot of money. Right. Right. And, and so you get rewarded for, for, for that clumpiness. The world is clumpy right? And especially in early stages. And so one of the things to do is to realize that you've got to normalize your forecasting if you're looking for predictability. Now, a reason that companies don't do that is they're trying to create artificial performance. They're trying to create you know, yeah. a pressure keg on reps to, to drive various behaviors. That works in the short term, in some cases. It It has a high cost associated to it. Sure. Um, but but here again, you're not really forecasting. You're you're you know behaviorally intervening.
2: <laughs> I like that.
1: And 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 so what you know, I I think it's a great um actually when I read the book or listened to the book, Thinking in Bets, you know, by Annie Duke, she had one of the things, you know, someone says, you know, you know, if you ever want to know how confident somebody really is in something that they say, just reply. Yeah. Wanna make a bet?
2: Wanna make a bet.
1: Right. I, yeah. I think salespeople will, will no longer be a sales role in five years. Somebody said that on Twitter once. And, and I replied, want to bet? They never replied to me. <laughs> um, right? Want to bet? <laughs> what are the odds? Right. right? And, and so I think that you know, it's a great thing whenever anybody is predicting. What are the odds? How confident are you of that? Right? You, we talk about it all the time at Imagine. Infinity exists between zero and one forecasting is about managing that. And what forecasting is at its best is it helps the business ride more smoothly and it increases decision quality. And so when you forecast, you have to close the loop on your forecast. And the number of times that I see forecasts are, you know, they're numbers that are out there, but they never close the loop. Right. Then you've lost, like, why are you forecasting is is what I say to that. Yeah. Um, and, and remember closing the loop and, you know, we've talked about this. Closing the loop means if I miss the forecast high, I missed the forecast. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, what does that mean? You know, and, 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 I think, you know, but by, by the way, what, you know, if you wanted to forecast a top down number or you wanted to forecast an overall number, I think it would probably be pretty good to have, you know, to take the same forecast confidence approach, at, at the sales level, to you know, what's your forecast confidence on, on a number? You know, my my five yeah. percent confidence is this. Yeah. My thirty three percent confidence is this. My ninety five percent confidence is is that. I then close the loop by making it a game to try to narrow that down Because if all I do from a ninety five percent confidence level is is sandbag, hold back, right? Then then acknowledge that number was missed. Why are you constantly hitting? Like, why have you hit your 50% confidence number 80% of the time? That's a problem.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's how you should look at forecasting.
2: And I think that's a great note to end on. Bam! (laughs)
1: We'll let Marissa take us out today. There we go. Jessica, any any takeaways?
2: I think, so, you know, I think the managing, managing uh, the how crucial it is to manage your forecast confidence. I think that's probably my biggest one. Um, why are you forecasting? What are you forecasting? We got to we got to answer those questions. And and I I really like the take on forecasting and clumps because I because I I don't think that gets thought about. Um, I I you know having had conversations with you and seeing this, I I think that that path is is how people need to look at it.
0: And with that, we'll see you at the next show. And that's a wrap on this episode of The RevOps Show. If you've made it this far, don't forget to go tweet Jess at JessD Cardenas, asking her if she made it to 2022. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to go subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, and share the episode. If you have any questions you would like to ask Doug or Jess about sales forecasting or anything RevOps related, email me at hannah at ImagineLC.com or hit us up on Twitter at DemandCreator. Until next time, remember, you can't solve your upstream problems downstream.